0: doctor hey
1: hey hey you know me it's dr cheryl bryant bruce md also known as the celebrity doc and here with my co-host hisham ellenmati hurricane h and we are here with chatters that matter let's talk about it we are here to educate inform and entertain you and we have another great show for you today. We are bringing in our guest, which we let you know she was coming last week, Dr. Drexel Glasker. Now, Dr. Drexel, Glad to have you here. You've got some really neat credentials behind your name. And so probably these are credentials that Hurricane might not have even heard of before. So we're going to talk about what you do.
0: I think I just figured one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Doc, and welcome to the show. Sure. <laughs> and I'm in the healthcare, so that's, sure. yeah, I got to learn stuff yeah. stuff every day. So it's a good thing. <laughs>
2: awesome. Thank you for having me, Dr. Bryant, Bruce, and Hurricane. This is a first probably for nurses. Um, I've been a nurse for over 20 years, 30 years of healthcare experience. I grew up in a small town in uh, the high desert of California. I'm the youngest of eight. And I started out as a single mom, as a teenager single mom, and figure I needed to do something really quick to make money to raise this child. So I went into respiratory therapy and did that for 19 years and got me a good living with uh, a small child. And then um, I met the love of my life um, ring down in San Diego, I was in the travel contract and we got married. And he says, what do you want to do? I said, well, I've always wanted to be a nurse. So he goes, okay, you go back to school and become a nurse and, and you can support me going to school and we'll do it back and forth. So I got my RN in Mission Viejo and uh, became an RN, um, worked in many different areas of nursing, started out in the operating room and moved on to critical care. And my husband says, okay, it's my turn. You got to She so goes, okay. So we moved to Detroit, Michigan. That's where he's from. And uh, he went to school and I went to school right along with him. Got my BSN at University of Detroit Mercy. And uh, experienced a healthcare system in our black communities, which was pretty much underserved population and saw a lot, learned a lot. Yeah. Now, Dr. Drex, I'm going to, interrupt you here for a second because you're throwing out
1: a lot of acronyms and people may not know what the, they are. So RN is registered nurse and BSN.
2: Yes, of nursing, nursing science. I apologize mm-hmm. for that. Um, and then moving on into um, my master's degree in nursing science, I became a family nurse practitioner with a school in Chicago and it was an online based program. And then I continued on and got my doctor's degree in nursing practice at the same Chamberlain University in Chicago uh, in healthcare systems leadership. And uh, that's when I met Dr. Bruce Bryant through that journey. Okay. So Dr.
1: Glasker. You're considered what they call a, mid, a mid-level practitioner. I had to think about that. I was going to say a midlife life practitioner. It's like, no, that's not where I want to go. <laughs> mid-level <laughs> practitioner.
2: So can you tell us what that means? Sure. Uh, so mid-level, that's a very good question. Mid-level practitioners are practitioners that have learned to practice medicine and have gone through a rigorous program, academic uh, program, to prescribe, treat, uh, diagnose, or if you want to go in the right order, it would be diagnose, treat, and prescribe at the level of a physician. Uh, Mid-level practitioners are in many of the states of United States have physician overseers and there are mid-level providers or practitioners that have full practice authority that does not need a physician overseer and practice at the same level as a physician. I'm in California and California just received their full practice authority and working through the process. But having said that, um, we are helping the healthcare industry where there's not enough resources and providers and there's not enough doctors to meet the need of our community and especially our underserved communities. So that's where we come in.
1: Perfect, perfect. So can you tell us a little bit more about the educational process? that you went through because uh, you, you are a doctor, but you're not a doctor of medicine. You're a doctor of nursing practice. What is the difference?
2: That's a very good question. So with nursing, uh, we start off, as I named your uh, basic associate's degree nurse. So anyone can get an RN, which is a registered nursing degree and start practicing nursing. Nursing has a terminal degree, which is evidence-based research. And we have two cohorts, you can call it. One is your PhD route, which is you're gonna do research and uh, create. And the other is your DNP route, which is your doctors of nursing practice, Meaning you're taking the research that's already been proven, and you're now going to translate it and into practice. So for a doctor nursing practice, we take the research that's proven, for example, I worked on looked at the diabetes in United States. It's a huge problem. Well, in treating diabetes there are diabetic patients that have to work and bring home groceries and food and pay bills just like everyone else but they end up with the most significant um, work-related injuries so in occupational medicine i said hmm what is the top three work-related injuries that diabetic patients get and the number three is shoulder injuries, and I go hmm. Now, how are the diabetic patients being treated in a traditional setting? And it's corticosteroid injections, which mm-hmm. hmm. Okay, now what is the research showing the outcome of these corticosteroid injections to improve function? and restore their function back to normal so they can do their job. Well, there's the side effects and there are evidence out there that says there are alternatives. And so I found an alternative in the research and said, let's translate this into practice and so that we can have a better outcome. And so that's what I worked on for my DNP project. So, a project mm-hmm. for the DMP is translating into practice, and the PhD is creating and finding a problem solution. I hope that helps. Okay. All
1: right. So, but uh, both have the title of doctor. Yes. Okay. So,
2: is that not confusing to the patient? Do you have trouble with getting confused about it? Absolutely, because it's new. Uh, Within Mm -hmm. the last, I would say within the last 10 years, the doctor of nursing practice and the PhD. Now, uh, there are other professionals that says they're doctors. The chiropractor Mm -hmm. that gets the PhD. The uh, dentist that gets a doctor's degree. Is a different type of medicine, right? So in your medical cohort, you have your MD, which is your most highly experienced and trained traditional doctor that patients understand is a doctor. We're not a doctor. We are we went a different route to get our doctor's degree. Uh your medical doctors are your highest and most educated. When it comes to medicine, that is your traditional medicine doctor. Unfortunately, there's other cohorts that have a terminal degree, like your nursing. Another one would be your D.O.s. Your D.O.s are just like medical doctors, but they train differently at an medicine school, and they have a different study which is similar and same as an MD, but more clinical from what I understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then you have dentists, which your dentists go to dental school, but that dental school earns you a doctor's degree. Then you have your physical therapists that go to their terminal degree, which is doctor so-and-so in physical therapy. That's a different Mm -hmm. terminal degree. Now, nurses, here we are, we've always been the frontline person you see at the dead dead side. And with nursing coming up, our industry has changed and we have raised billing to a rigorous program so that we can hold ourselves accountable for our practice and the Hmm. practice laws are changing now because there are so many more areas that need a mid-level provider like myself, so why not have that mid-level provider learn a little bit more about the research and the evidence and translate that into practice so that we can have better patient outcomes. Now, we're taking physicians, like your medical doctors, um, evidence, and we're taking their evidence and we're implementing it into practice. So we're accommodating the medical doctor that done years and years and years of research to implement a practice. Now, it's sitting there. Who's going to implement it and translate it into practice? We are us DNPs are gonna implement and translate that into practice and say, hey, Dr. Beebe, I implemented and translated your research into practice. So it's a big shift and it's new, it's newer.
1: It is a big uh, a big paradigm shift. What do you think was the driving force behind that paradigm shift?
2: I think the driving force is your new leadership. Uh, in nursing, we have some very scholar and stellar uh, leadership in the uh, whole healthcare system. And I think, with not being enough providers to take care of the population that's growing, either we're going to sink or we're going to swim. So, just because we took another route to get to where we're at doesn't mean that we can't practice at a higher level of practice and i mm-hmm. think i've spent i spent over you say for 2 years for an rn you say for a bsn for a bachelor's degree in science is another 3 years and for a master's degree in science is another 3 years and for dnp is another 2.5 years that gives you about five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 10.5 10. years of education under the nursing cohort to where we're at as a doctor's degree in nursing.
1: Mm-hmm. And how is that different than a uh, physician's assistant? Because they're also mid level providers, and a lot of times patients don't understand what the difference is between a nurse practitioner and a physician's assistant.
2: Very good question. From what I understand, a physician assistant cohort is adopted because the physicians realize they needed help. Um, physician assistant program was designed by physicians, by medical doctors. The medical doctor says, we need help. So let's create our own assistant and we're gonna call them physician assistants. Core requirements to get into physician assistant They're different from nursing. You can come into physician assistant without any bedside, any nursing, any medical experience, but come in with your prereqs of science courses and become a physician assistant. Mm -hmm. Physician assistant highest level is master's degree, master in science and physician assistants. From what I know, there isn't a, a doctoral level of physician assistant. Um, and I may be wrong. I haven't researched
1: it. No, as far as I know, there, there is not um, a, a doctoral level on, on physician assistants. So, because they don't even um, they don't even have a BS as a, a physician assistant. It's a two-year program. So, uh, you know, obviously the three-year program, they couldn't go on to, to get a doctoral unless they did a whole lot of training in the, in the team um, because they, they would have to get that BS and um, then probably take the route of going for an, an MS and then on to see their doctoral but you know they stopped far short of that and that does not mean that they're not very skillful particularly it depends on where they train but for those who train in the military um, those physician assistants were absolutely phenomenal and just as kind of an indicator of the still level, when I was in Massachusetts um, at Bay State Medical Center, now this was prior to the days of uh, all of this computer tracking of everything and all. And they had two surgeons that were there, a husband and a wife team, and they were there, they were well-respected, they were excellent surgeons and then all of a sudden poof they were gone and it was like well what happened to them well as it turned out and i'm not sure how it was discovered but neither one of them had attended medical school Um, apparently they had probably bought certifications but both of them had been in the military and worked as military pas and they learned the surgical skills and they were so proficient at them and you know had years of experience observing this the surgeons and assisting the surgeons and such. And so they were like, hey, we can do that. And created this other life for themselves. And then they were gone. And you know at that time we all kind of wondered, well, did they show up someplace else, you know, and, and just start the whole shit all over again. Now it's much harder to do that kind of uh stuff because the, everything is by the
0: internet you know so well it's you know, credentialing and everything else going on so you can't yeah. just practice without doesn't matter where you are you eventually yeah, get yeah. put up right.
1: so, so yeah,
0: I, I had I had just a a, a comment I think w- one of the key things that you as a doctor and nurse practitioner you do prescribe you know uh, medication to people, which normally a nurse would not, a physician would not. Uh, I actually worked with a lot of NPs and DNPs uh, and you said 10 years ago um, that's where kind of like the doctor became, you know, the uh, the I guess the relevant format. And mm-hmm. because before that the NPs were able to work within a doctor's premise and they were able to basically execute on, on their directives. But that changed and in the insurance world we do have NPs on staff uh, and DNPs actually that do uh, medical uh, I guess, reviews and authorization, all the stuff. And they they assist in a lot of ways. And also in the practices, I, I see them because I work with doctors in the community. They do have actually sometimes NPs that, that kind of fill in for their schedules. And they do see the patients normally. They prescribe, they do everything. And that's, that's pretty much, I mean, it's helping a lot of the doctors. They cannot possibly sometimes recruit other doctors because mostly they want to be working with their own practice. And having NPs or DNPs with them serves a huge purpose. To your point, there are a lot of communities that need not the underserved. They need the help. So the DNP is coming tremendously uh, at, a, at a great help and definitely great you know, asset and knowledge to help the community and, uh, and service the patients.
2: You know, Hurricane, that's great. Um, and I just want to add to that, too. And I have to give recognition to my NPs that um, paved the way for us. You have NPs that became NPs years ago before licensure, years Mm -hmm. before accreditation. And they were advanced practice RNs that followed standardized procedures where they were able to diagnose and they were able to treat and they were able to write prescription, even narcotics and and manage care. Okay. Mm -hmm. Over time licensure education accreditation has evolved into this let's hold you it accountable and so now the institution uh academia institution says okay we're going to create these programs this is what um the state want and this is what i'm in the state of california my standardized procedures are different from a person in the state of Florida, for example. So it's good that they've, you know, ramped up their accreditations and they're holding nurses accountable for this.
1: And the state of California actually is pretty highly regulated. And as you said, in a number of states, you can actually practice independently and you can use the title doctor, but in California, that is not the case. They, they, they make a differentiation.
2: Exactly. Very good point. So for me in the state of California, even, even though I have a doctor's degree in nursing practice, I can't put the name doctor first. It has to be Drexel, Glasker, DNP, comma FNP, which is Family Nurse Practitioner, comma whatever other credentials fall behind that. There have been some nurses that are doctor's degree. Tell patients I'm the doctor, and we mm-hmm. have to be careful with that and make sure the patient know that I'm a doctor in nursing practice, not medical practice not your MD. And and I think that that
1: is important so that the patient understands exactly who who they're being seen by. And so the the patient doesn't feel like they've been deceived because a lot of patients now, I mean, it's like at one point in time, it was very, very clear. Um, The MD was the doctor and then there were nurses and, and everything else as we developed this mid, uh, mid-level provider sector it became muddier for the patients and they're not sure who's who and who does what and then they kind of muddied the waters even further by changing so that now everybody's called a provider they don't say your doctor is going to see you or a nurse
2: practitioner is going to say a provider is going to see you yeah, and for- you're doing that i i don't agree yes. with that at all because yes. it just misses your physician sure. um you know dr Bri- uh, brian bruce you know the Clinics that we work in, there should be a physician on staff, right? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we just don't have enough physicians. And there's many days where a clinic will run with just nurse practitioners and just EAs. And uh, the moral of the story is the patient's going to get treated, right? Right. Um, the sadness of it is we just don't have enough doctors. I mean, I, I... I I don't know what to say about that, but I try to inform my patients very well we go, and if you would like to see a physician next time, I'm gonna ask the scheduler to schedule you to see with the physician. And i like to see a physician on my note, at least once um, mm-hmm. during the time of me training and managing their condition. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I think one of the important things is
1: that everybody understands what lane they're, they're in. But you do have a very, very high skill level, Dr. glassler And yet, and Dr. glassler and I have been working together for the, the past few weeks. And there have been times when she's come to me and she's said, hey, you know, doc, this is what I'm doing. And what do you think about this? And we have another, uh doctor of nursing uh, practice that is working with this as well and she's a little bit newer at it and she's very good at identifying that you know i'm not particularly comfortable with this or you know i'm, I'm just coming back over here and so this is a little new to me and so she knows where her skill level is and that's important cool thing. i mean that's an important thing even with doctors because as doctors we have different levels of experience. And a lot of that's based on how many years you've actually been out there. And a lot of times we get the new uh, residents that come out to just complete their residency. They're new doctors, they're gung-ho, they that's the title of doctor now. And they have difficulty in saying, I don't know, because it makes them feel like, it's less and they should know and one of the things that we had beat into us in our training was you know what you need to know and one of the most important things you need to know is what you don't know and the second most important thing is where to find it or so It's okay not to to know everything. And because of our different layers of of, of training, we're going to come with different skill sets. And although I'm a medical doctor, Dr. Glasker brings a certain skill set that I have not necessarily trained in. And coming from a nursing background, you know, your nurses are really your first- interface with patients and so they approach patients from a different level that we do um they actually tend to, to get more time with the patient and they tend to get to know the patients better unless you're in a field like family practice as primary care doctors we spend a lot more time with the patient but if you you know if you really want to get the skinny on who the patient is, ask the nurse, ask a nurse. And the nurses are very, very knowledgeable about medication, about procedures and practices, but most importantly about who that patient is. And so we work as a team. and now that they have stepped into a a new level of practice as mid-level practitioners, it's shifting. But again, we have to work as a team. Now, you work with other uh, nurse practitioners and doctors of nursing practice. Do you find, um, from your standpoint, I know, I know from my standpoint, where it's at, but do you find that you run into nurses who kind of have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and they want to be, uh, the MD, they want to be acknowledged as the MD, or even in the case with you, where you've done some fairly extensive research at a high level where other nurse practitioners, other doctors of nursing, and even other MDs have issue with you?
2: Well, yes, that's a good question. So there's always going to be hurricane, you know, (laughs) even in your industry, there's always going to be someone I can do it better, or he's nobody, you know what I'm saying?
0: I think every industry has those
2: (laughs) (laughs) i'm the type of person that says hey look problem with me let my skills speak for itself is the patient happy number one is the patient safe number two did i make a difference in that patient's life and get an early discharge number three Now, when I'm not doing any of those, then you can come step to me and say, hey, I got a problem with you. I'm all ears. I want to (laughs) learn. What's going on? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, I'm a sponge for learning new things. And it is what it is. And it's in every industry, any job, anywhere you go, you're going to have people like that. And I think my energy that I give out is more positive energy than negative i just don't have room in my soul (laughs) to embed negative energy there's just too much there's too many places to go too many things to see and people to take care of
0: (laughs) i don't know Mm Oh, that that that's terrific, and and I think I think you hit on the money. First of all, you're right. Your your action, your work is going to speak for itself, and and you you're right also, Doc. Both of you, <laughs> you said about if I don't know, there's always someone you can ask, and that should be, uh, you know, the uh, for all of us, we're supposed to know. There's always someone who knows better, and the the, the science and the healthcare itself is always ever developing and changing and you have to update and upgrade almost every week every day there's articles there's new studies and things And unless you keep up with those things i mean there's conferences and stuff and new discoveries and new medicinal you know literally uh pioneer stuff inventions that you can use and apply and techniques Then unless you kept you know you keep up with your continuing education kind of concept you're gonna have an issue And, and by the way i i do appreciate you know all the NPs and all the nurses, because in the insurance world, they're huge for, for our world because, I mean, most of our care management teams are run by the NPs or NPs, and that's who actually does most of the evaluations and all stuff and work with the medical directors. Uh, and so that's huge for us, and they do great work in the community. You you hit something earlier that is, that is powerful. When you go to a doctor today, you know, there's a good chance you're not going to be able to meet a doctor you know especially in the communities or on the cities you know like 3 months away before you get an appointment with your your md uh right. but then you have the option to see an np or dnp prior uh, and so to your point it is it is given access you know at least to get your immediate you go to urgent centers to centers and the, the most of the, the folks that I see there are dnp's or np's not doctors yes. at least not when i was there i mean they are available and i guess that's if you follow up and things like that so it is. It is an important role, and it does work hand in hand with our MDs and without. Listen, without DMPs and MPs, I think the doctors themselves are going to suffer because there is not enough, to your point, available. And and we're just there's too many of us, <laughs> and, and yeah, too many right. diseases, too many things going on in the healthcare. It's very yeah. difficult.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, and I mean the the, the healthcare situation that we are existing in now with the insurance and and the the computers and you know all that we have the electronic medical records everything that we have is taking time away from the doctor patient interaction so we're having to see more and more and more patients in shorter and shorter and shorter amount of time without these mid-level providers there to assist us a you're going to get a lot of doctors that are just going to get completely burnt out and Mm -hmm. b you're going to get a lot of patients that are frustrated when they can't get into the system when you're having pain or you have an illness you want to hear, you can't see anybody for three months. Shoot, by the time I get to three months, I will have either healed myself or dropped dead one of the two, you know? So you want to hear about how you have to wait. There's not enough doctors. And people who come into the system that way, they're appreciative of having those mid-level providers who can very competently direct their care. And sure, there are some things that the mid-level provider is not going to know or may not have seen before, or that may actually be kind of out of their scope. And a good mid-level provider knows when to say when and to ask, just like a good primary care physician knows when to say when and seek a specialist or even the opinion of another primary care provider. And then, you know, a nice example, I like to teach. And we had last week was a week when we had all sorts of what I call fascinoma patients come in. Uh, They come in with things that you heard about in medical school, but may not have seen before. Yeah. And For me, because I was trained through the military, we saw a lot of unique things, and I had several patients last week that came in with those textbook kind of things that just aren't often seen in general practice. So I spent a lot of time last week doing actively engaged in teaching, because when I would get these things, I would pull them out of the rooms and say, you know, come look at this and take your best guess. When you get one guess, take your best shot as to what the diagnosis is. And they were all head scratchers uh, because even for me initially, because when you go into uh, the the ranch and it's a horse farm, you look for horses, you don't look for zebras. (laughs) And when you come across the zebra, you have to stop and think. What that? What the heck is that? Why is that there? You know, and uh, how is it, it? It different. And so, some of the took me a couple of minutes to ask the right questions, and you know, I had to stretch back in some cobwebs a couple of times to come up with these unusual diagnoses. And we had, you know, one patient um, that came in. And she was giving one story. But then as we kind of ferreted out the answers to the questions, what she actually had was very different than what she was presenting with. So I went out and grabbed my nurse practitioners and said, take a look at this. And they were excited because these are things that you know they may, they may never see again in their career, but if they are the only one in the practice having seen it once,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they'll be able to attend to it. And even their doctor might not be able to because their doctor may not have seen it either. But, you know, particularly if they're in the practice by themselves, which they often times are now, particularly in the, the clinics that we're working in, it's not unusual for them to, to be by themselves because. We don't have enough physicians, and the physicians we do have are being rotated around to cover holes. So, you know, it would not be unusual for one or two nurse practitioners to be there by themselves. And if they're there by themselves, if they've seen these things before, then it helps them.
2: Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And that's teamwork. Um, when you work together as a team, and we respect each other's knowledge, we, we ping off from each other, you know, and it's it's normal. You should do that. You should refer to your colleagues and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And if you're not, then that's unfortunate for you.
1: Yeah, it is. And one of the things that is happening right now is the changes are, there's a lot of push and pull. There's turf wars and, and folks trying to establish what their territories are, and sometimes that can get in the way of the teamwork. Have you experienced that where
2: knowledge isn't being shared with you appropriately? Um, You know, that's a very good question, and I think everyone at some point in time, and I'm not sure if they're doing it intentionally or is just some people can't multitask and mm-hmm. teach. Everyone's not a teacher. So it's not necessarily that they're not sharing it with you. It's just that they only have enough information to get through and stay in that one lane, you know, and get through the day in that one lane. And that's okay. There are some people that are out there that do that very well. <laughs> and you'll get, you won't get an ounce out of them. Right, so, right. You know, I wanted to share with you, uh, Dr. Brian Bruce, there are nurse practitioners with the master's degree that has either family practice, pediatric, uh, adult gerontology, acute care, or psychiatric background. So those are the cohorts for nurse practitioners um, that are opening their own practice. Um, We don't need necessarily In some states, there's, I can't remember how many states, but there's close to 20-something odd states that are full practice authority, where nurse uh-huh. practitioners have been granted uh, full practice authority without physician overseers. And America needs it. There's a lot of rural country in America that needs clinic. We need to open more clinics. We need more healthcare providers out in the woods and the backwoods and the front woods the cities we need more and nurses are stepping up and they're doing it they're doing a great job at opening their own practice and getting people seen and we do know where to refer we have to refer to physician a physician that is uh, specialized uh, more knowledgeable um, and that can help make a difference in patient outcomes
1: Right. Now, educate me. Are you all able to supervise physicians
2: assistants? You know, that's a very good question. And the answer is no. We're a different cohort. Um mm-hmm. assistants come under a whole different academia uh, cohort. And for nurses, we supervise each other our cohort, Mm -hmm. but not a physician assistant, not that I know of. Okay. Yeah. I kind of suspected that might be the case,
1: but I I really wasn't a hundred percent sure about that.
2: Yeah. Their training is very different than our training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So what is an area where a doctor of nursing practice would actually well you've actually already said that we have these rural communities and a doctor of, of nursing practice can be uh, an exceptional asset to a community like that that might have a difficult time pulling a a physician mm-hmm. and even I mean even for physicians these, rural communities can be an exceptional place to go if they're in primary care because like for myself i am um, integrative family medicine as a family medicine physician i am able to to deliver babies i'm able to do surgery yet in the cities where i'm working you know right now i'm in sacramento i was in the bay area um, I've been down in LA, Houston, all of these cities that I've worked in, I have not delivered babies. I have not done surgery because you have all of the specialties there and it really comes kind of down to malpractice. A lot of the hospitals are concerned about their liability if there's a lawsuit. And even though a family practitioner may be just as killed and particularly, I mean, family pra- we started the whole ER thing before they had ER residencies. And yet in the cities, it's hard for us to get those jobs because the hospitals are worried about the liability. We're able to go out into the rural communities and there, because you don't have all of the specialists coming in, we're able to practice in those communities because there is such tremendous need. Mm I'm seeing it being very much the same for you all as doctors of, of nursing practice.
2: Well, see, I, I need to clarify something. Um, doctor of nursing practice is a different degree. Mm-hmm. In order to be a nurse practitioner is a different degree. So right. not all doctors of nursing practice are nurse practitioners.
1: Oh, Interesting.
2: Yes. Okay, okay. that's an interesting I to distinction. Justify that because in nursing, you can okay. go administrative route well, right? you can go clinical and become a nurse practitioner.
1: Okay, see, we don't have that differentiation in, in uh, medical. You can be an administrative physician, but you're still an MD. So right. that's
2: an interesting distinction. Yeah. So when people ask me, um, oh, you know, Drexel, you got your DNP. Are you a nurse practitioner? So that's why you see the title FNP-C, that's Family Nurse Practitioner-Certified. That means I sat for the boards and passed the board examination to be a family nurse practitioner. Now, what is a family nurse practitioner? That's the nurse practitioner that can see anyone from cradle to grave. Mm-hmm. So I see all ages. hmm I am practicing within my scope of practice. Right, right. You have some nurse practitioners that only focus on one scope. For example, your pediatric nurse practitioner, that's just one scope. The other one is adult gerontology. That's only the adult population. That's one scope. Um, So you have to look at the title behind the name to get a better understanding and ask the questions what type of nurse practitioner are you? What are you licensed and credentialed in? Now, on the mm-hmm. doctor's degree, we do not have a clinical doctor's degree in nursing that will be equivalent to a ma- uh, medical doctor. We don't have that. Mm-hmm. We have a doctor's degree in healthcare administration. So, right. on the healthcare, um, systems leadership doctor's degree
1: mm- mm-hmm. yeah interesting that that's like I said that's a really interesting distinction and thank you for that clarification yes
2: yeah, so I think it was I was thinking about I go hmm I need to clarify that because not all DMPs are clinical they're they may be administrative only in the hospital right. yeah
1: right mm-hmm yeah that is that is really interesting now what are some of the things that if you could pick out a couple of points about what you do that they may be pet peeves for you or they may be points that you really think that people just don't get about what you do what would those be hmm that's a good
2: question Um, For example, say we're in the clinic and um, I get a trauma patient that comes in. It was an accident, you know, a work injury. And uh, it needs a a suturing or laceration repair. So I think patients don't get it when I go, okay, we're going to suture you up. Get you a tetanus shot, get you some pain medication, and I'll see you back tomorrow. They're like, You, you doctor? I'm like, No, I'm a nurse practitioner. Would you like to see a doctor instead? Because, you know, you can. Oh, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. You can do that. Okay. You can do that. So even patients are confused about, oh, she's doing a procedure on me and she's not a doctor, she's a nurse practitioner. That would be mm-hmm. probably the most frequent situation that occurs. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't, and I can see that because in actually, really, pretty much the the recent months, really, I and again with this whole provider tag thing, mm-hmm. I very regularly get asked now when I come into the room. Okay, so what are you? <laughs> are you a doctor are you a p are you a nurse practitioner and then uh, uh what is this doctor nurse practitioner thing what 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 are you <laughs> i i see <laughs> yeah,
2: that's,
1: yeah so, that's interesting yeah it, I mean, it'll be a, a a little while with us educating patients so that they understand what those differentiators are, and so that they they become comfortable with the, the care level that they'll receive. Because, you know, I mean, you're an excellent provider, and yet sometimes I'll get pushback and say, oh, well, you know, I, I, I only wanna see a doctor. And oftentimes they won't have such a complicated thing really warrants that only a doctor can, can see them because I mean, your scope of practice is, is so large and your, your knowledge base is so large that most of the things that we see in our particular facility are well within your scope of practice. And there's not a reason that a, a patient shouldn't be absolutely thrilled with receiving the level of care that they would get from you. And yet they'll give that pushback. Because they don't know. They don't understand.
2: You like to shop around for who's going to listen to them or who's going to give them what they want. Um, A lot of that. There's a lot of shoppers out there. And it's unfortunate that um, the physicians have to go through what they go through to explain themselves. When you walk in a room, it used to be you're the doctor. There was no mid-level. There weren't many. I shouldn't say none, but there weren't many mid-level providers to where you have to explain yourself. But I introduced myself as nurse practitioner. I don't even use the doctor. I don't use the DNP. I just say, hi, I'm Drexel, the nurse practitioner. You know, it makes it easier for them to understand because Mm -hmm. the minute I have to explain the doctor and the DNP, it's it's not necessary. Mm -hmm.
0: What I what I, I think we can we can attribute that that to the fact that there's not enough, I think, promotion about D N P programs and the NPs in general. Even when you look at, you know, entertainment and movies and stuff, you don't hear a lot of NPs in there as characters. You hear about the doctors and it's not and again for what it's worth, I mean, it's it may be a lack of maybe somebody can listen to this and say, "Hey, it's time for us to do a show about the NPs." Maybe you never know, yeah. <laughs> but but right, it will be right. it will be a very I mean, imagine this. I mean, what you guys go through. Uh, we can take the pandemic as an example. NPs yeah. played a huge role, right? Uh, yeah. So so, but but because of that, there's lack of understanding or education or even just knowledge about the scope of the work. I mean. In my world, I know because we have a huge interaction with the NPs. But a yeah. lot of, you know, common folks are not gonna have that interaction, to your point, unless they go to a clinic and then they see a provider. It's like, well, I want to see my doctor, who are you? And it, it becomes challenging. And, and yeah. they don't know the difference that, and they don't even know that sometimes you can write the prescription at that level. Uh, and I'm like, well, are you gonna write me this? You know, can I get medication? <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's gonna be a challenge. And I think we yeah. need more education. We need more awareness. And again, talk shows like this and maybe some programs can do a, a bit more justice. Maybe, I don't know if there are groups of NPs nationally that actually do in some movement about it, that also could help. But I think there's, there's a need for that. So
2: like you. a PSA, a public service. announcement. That, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The platform is needed. Thank you so much because I'm, I'm involved in a bunch of groups online, social media. We don't have a voice, nor do we have a platform. Um, There Mm -hmm. are platforms out there. They're excellent, but they're limited to members or providers only, you know, right. You know, I come from a small town and those folks don't know. They think I'm a doctor and I have to tell them I'm not a doctor. I'm a nurse practitioner. Well, what's that? Mm -hmm. You mean? oh, Oh, okay. You know. There's a huge knowledge deficit out there on what a nurse practitioner is and what we do. Yeah.
1: You do a lot. (laughs) I I appreciate your ability and your comfort level in that acknowledgement, because I I have worked with a couple of um, nurse practitioners that had PhDs, and, you know, we would bump up into each other because it was like the fact that I had an M.D. was threatening to them. And, you know, they wanted to assert that I'm just as good as you are. And I'm like, I'm not saying that you're not just as good as I am at what you do. But what we do
2: and what we're trained in is fundamentally different. Right. Yes. And probably because most of my nursing career, I've worked in teaching institutions. Mm-hmm. I've worked in the UC system. I worked at LA County Hospital. I work with residents going through residency. So I have an appreciation of what it is that you go through. And I see right. it. I understand it. Whereas to so many other folks don't, they may have um, an imagination of what, what medical school is like. You know, I could have went to medical school, but I didn't go that route. I went the nursing route. <laughs> <laughs> I needed more freedom. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had babies to raise. <laughs>
1: yes. Okay. I, I I raised babies and did it at the same time. I'm not sure that I would yes, recommend.
2: To and so yes. some of my other colleagues did. But, you yeah. know, something about being a traveling nurse. You check in, Mm -hmm. 12 hours, and you check out.
1: (laughs) Right, right. And I actually came up back in the olden days when the training wasn't so regulated. Because now it's really regulated down, so they can only put in so many hours and all. But we used to have what was called long call and then short call. And then you were off call. But when you were off call, you still were working. So there would be periods of time when we actually worked for 36 hours straight. And it was it was grueling. But also mentally, you had to always be on point. And some days were better than others. but you still had to stay sharp you still had to stay on point and you still had to be accountable for what you did so doctor, and, doctor we lost
2: you for yeah. a
0: minute so if, uh-huh. if you know
2: yeah there no. is with my cell phone are you, I, can, you can you hear me now yes i can I can and i okay it was your cell phone per se I, I,
1: we we went to black for a minute there with the little whirly gigs rolling so we, we were all kind of out of commission for a minute
0: and <laughs> hey, hey, listen we're like east Coast west coast and uh and I guess everybody is on the, the internet these days
1: <laughs> right right yeah it's uh it is sunday afternoon so a lot of people are, are home and on the internet, you know, work, they can't do that. But now the the, the waves are are loaded up, you know. <laughs> and we have
2: uh, snow in California too. Southern California, uh, Northern California.
1: in uh, yeah. California in some of the areas where there, there usually is not snow. I mean, I went to high school in Sacramento and I can only remember one time during the time I was in high school where there was snow and we had snow flurries uh, yesterday, the day before yesterday,
0: and it has been cold. It has really been cold. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's funny. You guys are talking about snow in California, and we have not yet had snow in Jersey. So, <laughs> so I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah, I, I hope I hope I don't jinx it. But <laughs> so far, so good. I mean, yeah,
2: um, had a couple of blizzards. <laughs> so, so uh, doctor. I have one question from your standpoint of nurse practitioners in Jersey. Uh, can you explain to me what your interactions have been like? I mean, have it been good interactions or questionable interactions with your mid-level providers or nurse practitioners?
0: Great question. So, two things. I, I actually live in Jersey and I work in New York, <laughs> but I do I do have my my, my personal uh, I guess life is in Jersey, and so therefore I do interact with them, and uh, it's been great actually. I have I have no uh, ill feelings about any. I believe me, I'm pretty vocal, and I'm in the healthcare. So I would claim something if it's it's needed. Uh, but, no, my I, I love my MPs, and they've been good, and they do come in, uh, in in a great mode. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks back, I, I wasn't feeling good. I went to the Urge Center, and, um, you know, it was an MP. It was a great interaction. They did what they had to do. They I was doing good. They gave me something to, to fix the, the immediate problem, and it was great. And, you know, um, it's pretty, you know, very, very up there in terms of the expectation that you would have as a patient. Uh, and again, for me personally, because I can tell you about 12 years ago, I was working in one of the largest uh, nursing companies in, in New York. And, um, you know, I was in the insurance plan that they had. And uh, so all all our colleagues, 90% were nurses or NPs. And uh, they were like a home visitor nurses type of, uh, you know, uh, level of nurses. But they had different levels, of course, entry nurses, they have uh, the NPs. And so we've done a lot of work. Even it was the time for Sandy, for example, the storm. Uh, they did a lot of work in the community, and they were really proactive in in delivering the services in the community. So I am I'm I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan of nurses, NPs, doctors. Again, I, because on on the pro. Maybe people are not a fan of us because we're the payers and that's that's another touchy, you know, discussion about the insurance world. But uh, it is a necessary evil, I would say, unfortunately, it's part of the system. But I I do happen to work in an area of it that is more patient driven or patient centric or member centric. And that is the government program. So it's Medicare and and Advantage. So it's a little different. It's kind of restricted. But we do work a lot with the So again, I interact with them in the business aspect of it. I interact with them as a person in both states, New York and New Jersey. And I, I have not, you know, felt any otherwise about them. Whereby they're not really up to where they need to be in terms of their practice or their qualifications. I think they're very high, you know, highly uh, efficient, and uh, they do their job terrific. So, you know, yeah. kudos to all of them. I have not had any problems. So hey, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not necessarily the judge of it, but I can yeah. tell you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think your nurse yeah. practitioners would love to hear that. Um, I've had situations where a radiologist would call me and want to speak to me. And I go, hi, this is Rexel, nurse practitioner. And they start asking me questions about my training. Like, now, now, how did you get your nurse practitioner? And the moral of the story was, how did you know to order for this image? How did you know? And he asked me questions like he was interviewing me. like, you know, how did you know? Now let's talk
1: about that a little bit because um, this is Black History Month. And one of the things out there is you are an African-American provider You are a mid-level African-American provider. So you have two things going on there that can impact on those interactions. Can you tell us about your struggle as an African-American provider carving this trailblazing in the mid-level world?
2: You know, no disrespect to any other culture, okay? We all have our stories of, Struggle. Um, I think the awareness of Black history and Black history month comes with the awareness of any other cultural history month, uh, mm-hmm. Latino, um, Hispanic, um, Indian. You know, and it, the list goes on and on. But specifically to African American history, we no longer needs to be afraid that we are African American providers. We need to verbalize that we are African American providers and it's okay for us to verbalize our struggles. My struggle Mm -hmm. was real. I mean, it was so real that we raised our children in a predominantly all white community in South Orange County. Now you go figure, I was the only black nurse on staff at a trauma center And how did we end up in South Orange County? My husband was stationed in San Onfrey, which is uh, right there. And we just end up in that area. And we decided our church home was here. We're going to raise our children here. And we're just going to be here, you know. And I've had nursing professors say to me, oh, Drexel, because you're a respiratory therapist, you're going to make it. Not because uh, you're not going to make it because you're black. They had to find a reason that I was going to make it because I had previous respiratory therapy experience. Mm-hmm. And I was the only black person graduating in my class at a predominantly uh, white community. And, uh, you know, I never thought anything of it because I wasn't raised to see color. I was raised as a military brat, and everyone in mm-hmm. our was a different color. And we weren't yes. taught to be prejudiced or biased of color. And so I was naive to it. I was naive to any of it. So, you know, the struggle that I say was real is as I start waking up and I start hearing little bits and pieces of it, and I start recognizing different treatment, then Mm -hmm. I go, "Ah, I guess that does exist. I I just never look for it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I move and push through it. You navigate through life and you just get through it. And I think that military background of my mom saying, you don't look at color or race, you just get to where you need to go the best way you can.
1: Right. And as as a as a military brat, also, I I really can say that that was a very rich way to grow up because we had such exposure to such a, a cross section of different people from all cultural backgrounds, from all racial backgrounds, you had to work together and you learned a lot about each other. So military rats tend to be very well-rounded and tend to have the perspective that you just voiced.
2: Yes, exactly. Well, Dr. Drexel
1: Glasker, it has been absolutely wonderful having you here and having you enlighten us about this mid-level gray section that's there that you know people just really don't know what it's all about. And because of you, hopefully someone out there listening the next time that they see a nurse practitioner walk in, they won't have that same qualm about, oh well, I, I I was supposed to see a doctor, you know, and and you're not a doctor oh, it says doctor on your jacket. What are you? (laughs) They'll have more of a comfort level. They'll have more of an understanding. And when you are giving them, imparting information uh, on them, I mean, Dr. Glasker has a wonderful protocol that she uses for injecting joints. And most of the doctors don't know anything about it. So she's, you know, she's definitely bringing something to the clinic that will help the patients out. And hopefully by having seen the show, the patients will be more able to uh, receive it and to acknowledge the expertise that mid-levels are, are bringing to us. So I'm glad you were able to come through and share that with us and to clarify a lot of things for us. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you, Hurricane. Appreciate you. Uh,
1: now, Hurricane. Dr. Glasker had a special request because she was a little bit disappointed in the last show because she was waiting for us to dance.
0: Oh. Let's dance. <laughs> you don't have to ask twice. here. You know, I got this. <laughs> All right, well, again, I, we can just start doing our thing. You know, I mean, we, we do it the three of us, right? We gotta go That's left. That's right. Gonna go right. Gonna go left and right. And, and actually, people are watching with us right now. Just join the jo- join the movement. Here we go. Left and right and left and right and left. Uh, 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 we we got to synchronize, baby. We got to synchronize.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We
0: gotta, three, two, one, and we go left. All right. Three, two, one. Left. And right. And left. There we okay. go. And right. <laughs> and oh, that's fun. Hey, listen, uh, it, it is all, we educate, we enlighten, we have to inspire, motivate, but also we have to have fun. I think life is about that. Um, and, you know, there's so much like you said earlier something, doctor, that was powerful But you have too much positive energy to dwell on negative. You know, I think that's that's really a big deal. And I think for folks that are watching and listening right now, we want to just just give that energy out. You know, and I know we are through a screen or through a, a voice and audio, but I guarantee you just listening to this, they'll be like, yeah, I feel the vibe. And we want you to see the vibe and we want you to feel the vibe. And there's right. nothing more. I mean it's a Sunday, everybody's chilling as we said earlier. Probably the internet is booming right now. But yeah, listen, have fun. Uh there's always that. I mean, we have to enjoy, you know, today we have to enjoy everything. We have to just do it. So was that a good thing? Do we want to do it again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I mean, I I listen. I mean, What was that? I said, do we have any music that we can cue up to work with? Uh, Or let's see, let's see. Uh, uh, music. I mean, let me see. Let me see. Ah. I gotta figure out, you know, I gotta get some music on. Give me a second. Maybe. (laughs)
1: Let
0: me see. Let me see.
1: Well, he's working out the music, Dr. Glasker. If yes. someone were to want to contact you to ask about uh, mid-level providers or to have you speak, how would we get in contact with you?
2: You'll contact me at D, like David, Lasker, my last name, G-L-A-S-K-E-R, the number zero, at gmail.com.
1: That's and we'll have that uh, posted to the site so that... Um, People can find it easily.
0: Okay. So, so I have bad. I have good news and bad news. I have the music, but if we play it right now, because we are live on on Facebook and Instagram, it's gonna go copyright. So. That may oh, yeah. be a problem.
1: <laughs> All right. No worries. Well, you got to play with it at least anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, when, we, when, when the show closes, we can actually play the music and just get, you know, some boogie on. So it's yes, ready. And, and I, I, but I know it, it. it will get a copyright kick and, you know, then it will just destroy the, the value of the show as it's, it's airing oh. right now. So. I absolutely. guess so you got to be sensitive absolutely. with copyrights, you know, and uh, we, we yeah, follow the absolutely. rules. <laughs> absolutely.
1: But we're going to get our licensing so that we can uh, play whatever music we want to play and have fun the, the, with it.
0: I, I I do have that. The problem is you got to whitelist it with all the channels and all the stuff before they can. So you still get a problem and somebody reports it and you have to like send it to a pain. I, I mean I deal with that. I mean I have shows from like 2 years ago that's still popping up like copyright. Yeah. You know, oh my god. Okay. And you have to like send the information. It. Right. It's but Yeah, we... it's but but we'll get there. We'll get there, folks.
1: <laughs> All right. Oh. Well, it has been wonderful again having you Dr. Drexel Blaxter and we have Enjoyed all of the information that you brought. This will be—it's it, it, being broadcast live all over, but it will also go evergreen on on several different channels, including YouTube, so that this information will be out there for people to to look at and review and to share with the each other and and share with friends. Uh, do feel free to share it with as many people as you can, so that we can educate. Uh, people on these mid-level providers because I, I know that you all do need that platform, and you're you're growing, you're growing in numbers, uh, you're growing in strength, and certainly you're growing in, in knowledge. And we'll definitely be seeing more and more mid-level providers as the the years are are rolling on here. So, thank you for doing what you do. Absolutely, thank you, Doc. and.
2: This is Chatters That Matters
1: that you've been listening to. I am your show host, Dr. Cheryl Bryant-Bruce, MD, here with my co-host, Hishamela Mati, Hurricane H. We hope that you'll come back and and join us again next week. We're going to have a special celebrity guest, and that one will be a surprise. So make sure you come and check it out and see who we have here for you. We are here to educate, inform, and to entertain. Go to our website, like us, share us, and let's talk about it.
2: Bye, everyone.